Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. You know, I think the committee's reluctant to admit that they care about the stagecraft, but they really care about the stagecraft. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. There's very few moments where you feel like you're in the middle of something historic, and this is it. Senior legal affairs reporter Kyle Cheney has been breaking stories and reporting on the January 6th Select Committee for more than a year now. Build up, build up, build up, and then there's this release moment where you finally see, like, okay, show us the good, show us what you have. On the show today, the first hearing is finally here, tonight at 8 p.m., primetime television. But will people care? I think they've seen important reports get swept under the rug. They go collect dust on a shelf, and in part because, you know, the public yawns when they come out because they're these dense, very Washington-style, you know, dossiers of information that are just so overwhelming and so disconnected from what people care about that they end up not having the impact that Congress wants. I think the committee has had that in their mind the entire time. So how do we prevent that from being our fate? So we're learning a little bit about how they plan to present this. We understand that the first hearing is going to focus specifically on the role of the Proud Boys, the uh, sort of nationalist, domestic extremist group, pro-Trump group that was present at the most important moments that when that that rally, that Trump rally turned into the mob that breached the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And so we know that their first couple of witnesses, one is a document who was with the Proud Boys around that time and, and chronicled their actions, their planning, and then their actual breach of the Capitol. So he was with them right up at the front, seeing their movement and their effect on the crowd. Mm. And it's some remarkable footage of that, which I'm sure we'll see as well. And then also uh, Capitol Police Officer Caroline Edwards, who was the victim of an assault, the first assault of the entire breach, uh, right before the mob kind of stormed past barricades and to the foot of the building. So they want to show how the violent aspects of that day came together. That's their starting point. Yeah, and one of the things that made news in recent days is the former president of ABC News is helping to produce this hearing. Plus, it's got this primetime post-work slot, like you said. They have not made a secret of the fact that they want this presentation to really I guess, have a, have, a, have a show business element. And that's not to say they're embellishing or exaggerating the facts because the facts themselves are extraordinary, but they need those, they need this to connect with people in a way that Congress doesn't always, isn't always able to do. Whether they succeed or not in what they're trying to do at the hearings, this is a moment that of the kind that you, you rarely get in Washington, sort of a Watergate-ish moment. Whether it lands with that same impact, that seems sort of beyond hope for the committee, but I think it still is something of that magnitude. Mm -hmm. The major difference between the Watergate era and now is the splintered media environment and the fact that there are large and powerful megaphones for the pro-Trump pushback and counter-narrative that are going to be operating at full capacity the entire time. And the committee, knowing that, is one of the reasons they're approaching it with this sort of stagecraft mentality is that's the environment they're working in. They have to be able to match the power of those efforts to diminish what they're doing and diminish the importance of it uh, and then overcome it. And so I think that's true that a Watergate type of reception is not possible, but I think that's also informing the way the committee plans to present things. They have done a pretty remarkable job of not 
telling us what their, what the broader strategy and goal is here, which is going to be frustrating. But I think it's part of you know the impact they want to have is that things that really literally are unknown will come to light during the hearing. So um, you know, for all we have learned about their work, they've done a pretty uncharacteristic job for Congress of keeping things you know close. The committee has benefited from the fact that Republicans boycotted participating in this from the beginning. The reason it's so secretive and the reason that secrecy has worked is because there's no minority component in this committee to, that's in the room, knows the, the, the Republicans who are going to try to mount some pushback throughout the week. They have no clue what the committee is going to release either. Mm. And so they're operating in the dark. It's going to be hard for them to credibly criticize the committee when even they don't know what's about to come. So that's a very unusual dynamic, even in Watergate, even in all these historic hearings in the past has been a component of the minority party in the room aware of the developments. And you don't have that here. That is really interesting. And we know that all the networks are carrying this except for Fox News, right? Right. And, and that's an interesting quandary for them, because I think the, you know, the Fox audience has already been sort of conditioned to to view the committee as illegitimate. The pro-Trump Voices in media have spent the last year, year and a half downplaying what happened on January 6th and casting the investigation as a partisan witch hunt. And the committee knows that those are the forces arrayed against it. And, and they haven't really articulated whether their goal is to reach some of those people who have been conditioned this way or if they know that those people aren't going to be reachable at all. Um, I think we'll get a sense of that when the hearings begin as to do they try to connect with that audience. How much new information are you expecting tonight? I think there will actually be a significant amount because, you know, as much as we've known a lot of the pillars of the the storyline of what's happened, even since it, even right around the time it did happen, you know, the impeachment of Donald Trump a few weeks after the attack Mm -hmm. had a lot of the key elements in there. But since then, I think they've filled in an enormous amount of detail, some of which we've learned, but a lot of which we haven't. You know, a thousand witness interviews, I could maybe figure out 200 of the people who have gone in. So there's mm. a large group of people that we don't know about who have interviewed with, with the committee and may have provided very explosive elements of this narrative, or, or what was happening behind the scenes at the White House that we haven't learned yet. So to go back to the impact that this might have, polling shows that many Americans want to move on from January 6th and that even some Republicans that previously had held Donald Trump more responsible, that that number is shrinking what do we know about how much this seems to be an issue that actually moves voters? The issue of January 6th, I think the committee is aware of this. It's not the kind of thing that is top of mind for the average voter. You know, I think they still expect to, you know, to be the underdogs in the midterms and mm-hmm. that this is not necessarily the forum to change that. When you ask the committee members, you know, what is your goal from these hearings? You kind of get a bunch of different answers and, it, and it's been a challenge to sort of articulate or quantify what they consider success or not. Main thing they say is we want to document this for history. You know, we we needed an investigation of this attack. It had to happen. This was it. You know, they wanted a 9-11 commission style investigation. The Republicans blocked that. So this was the alternative. And so it's partly for history, but partly they want to put plant a seed for voters that this is not over, that, that the attack on American democracy has only continued and maybe even escalated since January 6th and to be vigilant that maybe this is not something that impacts the current election cycle, but it's there, you know, this, these findings are there and may take on a life of their own in, in the future. 
How much chatter about this is happening on Capitol Hill right now? And, and are lawmakers you're speaking to, like, is everyone planning to watch? You know, I don't know. It's something I want to ask is, is you know, who who plans to watch, who doesn't, you know, just how people are going to consume this material. I suspect most people will watch from this Capitol Hill community. And that one thing, this is actually an important point is, look, the people inside this building, this community, which doesn't have a lot of sympathy out in the broader country, but they were victims that day. A lot of these people are traumatized by what happened. Republicans, Democrats, staffers, mm-hmm. workers, you know, staff and, and custodial workers, Capitol Police. I mean, these people have scars from that day that in some ways are going to be you know, revived or they're going to be re-traumatized by having to see some of this stuff. And, and so I think there's an impact inside this building that is different than it will be anywhere else. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that is something that people don't get unless they've like been to the Capitol. It's like how much it feels kind of like a college campus. <laughs> yeah, that vibe. It's a smallish community. It is, it is very college-y. It's, it's very, very clubby. Um, and I think that's part of the, one of the things that Americans don't like is sort of the, the swamp idea that there's, you know, this tiny community of, of people where it's all about relationships and, and all that. But I think at the same, the same token, and they have a shared trauma like they had on January 6th, you're going to see some of that community in a different way. Um, and I think, you know, one of the unfortunate parts of the effort to downplay January 6th is a lot of people who dismiss that trauma, that people, the genuine trauma. I mean, people were afraid, thousands and thousands of people, reporters too, I should include them in this group, who were here that day. I was not among them, but they feared for their lives. They had no idea who was coming in the building armed mm-hmm. or not. They had no clue. And just that fear itself has lingered with people since since then. What is the upcoming schedule? There's the first hearings tonight. When's the next and how many can we expect to see? There'll be six hearings total that we're aware of. This this could change. Everything's fluid. And I think some of it will depend on how they feel the first hearing or two go. Mm. But the plan is for six hearings. The first one is in prime time. The next one is not. It's in the morning. And so I think it will depend on the subject matter uh, as to how they handle again the stagecraft element you know in prime time and the first one is probably where you get the most eyeballs i think they expect that so they're going to probably unload their most significant information at the first hearing um, but they may hold some things back they may have some unexpected witnesses in the uh, going forward so it's, a, it's still largely unknown kyle cheney thank you so much for talking with me thanks for having me also in the news top Justice Department officials, including Attorney General Merrick Garland, announced on Wednesday that they had launched an incident review of the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. The goal of the review is to provide an independent account of law enforcement actions and responses during the shooting that killed 21. It is not a criminal probe and will not result in any penalties for police in Uvalde. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch includes music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.